Welcome to Social Effects, a podcast hosted by myself, Edward Barnier, or as some of you know me, Edward KB. Social Effects dives deep into the world of social media with some of my favorite people who I'm fortunate enough to call friends. The effect of social media has had an undeniable impact on our lives, and these conversations allow us to find out more about the background of some social media's most prolific creatives, their approach to the craft, and what keeps them up at night. In this upcoming episode, we speak with Vivian Liu, a Hong Kong-based architect I originally met five years ago. What I've always appreciated about Vivian is her desire and drive for perfection, and I'm always trying to hang on to that. Hey guys, I'm here today with my good friend Vivian Liu. Hi everyone. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about a number of things today, but I think first off, Vivian, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about what you're doing and where you're from. Hi, I'm Vivian and I'm actually Canadian Chinese living in Hong Kong, I'm trained as an architect, uh, do photography for kind of a part-time job as my habit, as a distraction from work in an alternative creative channel. I studied architecture in Canada and the United States, and after graduating my master's in the U.S., came back to Hong Kong in 2010 and worked in, as an architect since. Cool, and you've worked for some of the really good architecture firms in Hong Kong? Yeah, so when I graduated, came back, um, started working for Office for Metropolitan Architecture, OMA. They're a Dutch firm based in Rotterdam and had just opened their Hong Kong office about a year ago when I joined them. Um, they were working on competition for the West Kowloon Cultural District. That's why actually the office got set up. But oh. I mean, when I joined, they they, they were they had just finished the competition and unfortunately um, they didn't win that project, but oh. the office continued to operate in the APAC area. Oh, I see, I yeah. see. So I worked on projects like um, in Greater China as well as Hong Kong, you know, mostly just pitches to get the firm a kind of foot in the door in Asia, right. basically. And you were doing that around the time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there was like a huge boom in architecture in mainland China. Uh, yeah, I mean, the boom was happening way before okay. then. But yeah, we kind of caught the end wave of it before, you know, China announced that, you know, no weird architecture statement. <laughs> but you it was actually thinking... because of one of our buildings. Like, no way. Yeah, because... Uh, OMA did the CCTV. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In Beijing, and and you know, like everyone was like, "Oh, it's like the pants, it's the pants," which kind of enraged me a little bit in the beginning because yeah. it, it actually isn't pants because if you look at it, at the bottom is actually a loop. Right. And the story about the building is is based on a visitor loop. Okay. Um, because it's CCTV and the client had a kind of um, intention to bring the public inside the building. Right. And the diagram of the building is a loop instead of a tall skyscraper mm -hmm. that competed with the rest of the city. And I thought, you know, that was, it's actually one of my favorite buildings, yeah, yeah, ironically. You said, you said to me before, and, yeah. you know, it, it used to sadden me because I saw the vision of it while people took it at face value yes. and took it very literally and said, oh, it's weird because they look like pants. Yes. I actually remember there was a quote from Xi Jinping, right? Saying, yeah. no more of this type of architecture. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, unfortunately, that did kind of, I don't know, indirectly stall a lot of potentially innovative work from foreign architects and local, of right. course. Um, but I, I actually, I'm curious about the direction where this is going to go. Because, I mean... Sometimes, yeah, like you do get a lot of weird stuff going on in China, but I think that's part of everyone's experimental process. And that, mm -hmm. that was what made building in China very, very interesting. Right. So you, you pretty much saw quite a fast evolution of a, of a movement in a way um, from start to almost finish. Yeah, correct. I mean, there's mostly like, there's a lot of like hideous stuff, but it's still very interesting to me because I think everything is subjective. Yeah. And I think 
just like the CCTV building, if you really get into the story of it, mm-hmm. you know, everything has a story. It might look weird in the beginning at first glance, yeah. and you might take it literally. For example, there's a building near Guangzhou that looks like a coin. Right? Yeah, 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 I know that one. And, and that's kind of like a symbolism of, you know, Chinese people love Chinese people's literal, like, affection for wealth yes. and their upfront manifestos of what wealth is. And yeah, they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> if we build a building in the shape of a coin, then wealth will come. <laughs> and that's kind of the story, literally, right. of that weirdness. Yeah. Right? And if you know it and think about it, it's like, oh, it's really interesting because, yeah. like, when are they going to stop taking things literally yeah. and kind of integrate a design vision that's not so um, upfront about things. Right. And, and, and to me, that's the kind of an evolution. Would you say then that this period has been more of a Western Chinese collaboration of architecture? Or is this a movement, what would you call this? Would you call this literalism? Like, there uh, t- is, have we been through a period where people with unlimited budgets get to dictate exactly what they want to see with no kind of monetary drawbacks? Yes and no. And I think what we're seeing, all that weird stuff and kind of strange things that we don't see in, in other parts of the world is, I think it's kind of like a honeymoon period of how Western designers and uh, try to work with Chinese culture, let's yeah. say, or another culture. Yeah. And that's interesting because then that's the product. Right. You know, sometimes you see things really literal. Sometimes you see French architects building the most, I don't know, personally, I would say hideous stuff because yeah. that's kind of the chemistry that was the outcome of some, like, some. Western architect working with a Chinese client. And I think everyone was, when I was at OMA, like everyone was trying to feel that out. Rem, who was the founder of OMA, Rem Coolhouse, Pritzker Prize winner, trying to kind of, he had been interested in the discourse of China since for as long as I know. Right. When I was aware of architecture, Mm -hmm. uh, since I was studying at Harvard, like, he had been teaching, um, you know, Chinese modernism okay. and his theories on Chinese modernism there. But I think what's interesting is like when I go into practice and when he uh, deals with the, the the struggles of actually the technicalities of practicing in China, it's a very different story. Albeit, like his his story is most is the moment one of the most interesting ones because okay. he theorizes it so much. Right. And when he does try to realize that vision, um, part of it does come through. And uh, luckily, oh hasn't done anything that's, you know, to me, quite like a literal translation of Chinese values. Okay. Which tends to, uh, you know, I use the word kitsch, but there's no big roof yeah, on yeah. a skyscraper kind yeah. of thing. And um, things are kind of more theoretical and the cultural values are, are kind of more integrated into the, how the uh, the building is carried through and realized yes. in a more subtle way. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. We're going to come back to Rem Coolhouse later when we talk about today um, how design um, is influenced by social media today. But I just want to move on to the part where you left OMA and went to work for another great architecture firm, right. KPF. <laughs> so I kind of went in another extreme. Yeah. Because OMA was such a, uh, it was such a, I mean, I won't want to say avant-garde, but like mm-hmm. they do very visionary, quote-unquote, things. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, it was a very experimental time. And, and I think a lot of clients or like internally, uh, people weren't ready to take compromises like from either side and I think from that a lot of projects didn't get realized or there was a lot of competitions that we didn't win right and because it was too yeah it was I mean I was quite new to the firm Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of politics weren't made apparent for me Mm -hmm. Um, but in hindsight I think you know it was a bit of both it was a bit of how to knowing how to deal with Chinese clients yeah and you know um you know, I can't. I can't say for sure. Yeah. But I would just say it's. It's. They're getting a feel for how to work in China. Right. And and everything just moved so fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before that that statement was made, I don't know weird architecture. Um, I I think they're doing. I heard they're doing better now, and okay. I think 
that kind of honeymoon period is slowly coming to an end and they finally hopefully know what 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 clients want right. now and they're getting more projects. But going back to the fact that why I left was I I found it eventually kind of frustrating that I wasn't getting the construction experience. Right, got it. And everything was still left in the conceptual stage. Yes. So I was like, I think subconsciously, you know, we'll talk about that in in a bit, but like I wanted to eventually realize my own visions yeah. and architecture, right? And I'm like, well, that's not helpful to my growth. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that construction experience. So yeah. I picked a very, very corporate commercial right. firm that opened its offices in this part of the world just to administer construction. Right. So that, which is why I went to KPF. Yes. Uh, short for Cohen, Petters, and Fogs. Um, prophylic projects like the ICC, mm-hmm. um, Place, and now Victoria Dockside. Right. So you could see, like, you know, compared to the CCTV, uh, these were on the complete different end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, both very high end, you know, very, very high profile projects. Yeah. Uh, you know, top notch firms, but very different philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes without explaining. Yeah, you know, everyone yeah, knows yeah. the ICC and what type of a client or what type of a building that is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, like, for me, um, in my animation career, moving from Nickelodeon, which was very whimsical, and it sounds very similar to the difference between OMA and KPF. Mm-hmm. Um, Nickelodeon, it was there was a very much a creator-driven at that time. Do what you want. Let's hope it works out. Um, we're not going to change the way we look at things, and mm-hmm. either it works or it doesn't work. Um, to moving to uh, Cartoon Network, which may actually be. I don't know if it was an Asia thing or a Cartoon Network thing. I'm still trying to figure it out, but it was it became very corporate hmm. and very um, driven by numbers and success and revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'll tell anyone that it really helped me grow my career and showed me a, a something that I never would have learned at Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Would you say the same thing happened to you at KPF? Definitely, for sure. Because when you're a bit of an artist, you tend to be less organized in the yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, administration yeah. side yeah. And, and the kind of people side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, you know, because people who worked at OMA were, were, were very artistically minded. I'm not saying that people who worked at KPF weren't, but that was just the nature of the company, mm-hmm. right? That, and that is why KPF did so well in China because they knew exactly how to deal with clients and what client wanted. Uh, that was their kind of strength right. in building in that part of the world. And that, therefore, that's, this is why, you know, they're incredibly successful. Yeah. Um, you know, having multiple high-end projects like Tall Towers, Super Around Tall Towers even, yeah. in Shenzhen, oh, right. in Guangzhou, yeah. um, which which kept the Hong Kong office very, very busy yeah. um, a few years back. So yeah, I would say uh, I learned, um, I, well, I definitely aimed for getting experience from the best of the both worlds. Right. Like the design experience and the innovation from OMA, yeah. how to be an artist, how to think out of the box. Whereas when I was KPF, I learned about the technicalities of things, mm-hmm. the administration side and how to deal with clients, yeah. um, how to manage a project. So I think, you know, right now um, I'm at a point where I'm ready to put these skills together. Cool. Um, which is why I decided to leave KPF. Yes. And, you know, pursue my own vision in architecture and design. Definitely. Okay. And we're going to come to that. But I just want to backtrack slightly because I think you have to give me the timeline on this. But it may have been when you started at LMA, but um, at some point you picked up your photography hobby. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Were, you, were you at RMA when it started? Yeah, yeah? I was. Okay, so you were I would RMA. say it was halfway through my time there. Okay. I picked up photography. And then, yeah. um, and you ran with it. Yeah, so like you really went... I did. I mean, to yeah. be honest, like when people ask me that question, I kind of struggle to answer a little bit. Right. Because... At first, I would say I wanted a distraction from my job, but mm-hmm. I was like, no, I kind of love my job mm-hmm. um, at OMA. And it really, it wasn't a distraction. It's more like a kind of alternative creative channel yes. that I actually later found out that offered me the liberty to express myself more. Right, right, because right, when right. you're in a company, it's not like, especially if you're not in charge of the design. <laughs> now I could say that even if you are, like yeah. it's never 100% yours, <laughs> which is why it makes photography even more interesting because in a kind of team environment or or like a corporate 
or a company environment, any kind of successful company is never up to like a single hand. Yeah. Who drives the design? It's always up to team. And and I think that definitely I'm not saying it's definitely it's not a bad thing. Right. Because, you know, I always ask people for their opinions mm-hmm. and and you know, I do really, really believe that, you know, more minds are better than one. Yeah. <laughs> and not uh, always. Yeah. Oh well <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's good to have something that's altered, you know, see some but one that's, person's. That's vision. the difference. Well, that's the difference between photography and architecture. Right. Because photography is so personal. Yeah. And architecture, yes, maybe the original concept could be personal, but the execution, you know, <laughs> depends on the scale of, of your building. Yeah. It it just gets very technical very quickly. Yes. Because of the nature of architecture. Right, because right, right, right. people have to use it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people live in buildings and yeah. you just can't do anything you want. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But so I can like consolidating my thoughts through the years, which is why like this is why I thought photography was extremely interesting because you know it's so it's almost immediately gratifying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh wow, I, I didn't know that at the beginning. And now I really sit down and think about it. It's really a different experience for me because I've never actually ex- like tried to be, you know, so happy with something that mm-hmm. I did so quickly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah Like yeah. when we take a good shot, I'm I, I look at my camera and I'm like, wow, that that's a banger. You yeah, know? Like yeah, I'm immediate. I'm so happy. Yeah. And that almost never gets granted in the world of architecture. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I get I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. Um but then so obviously going from that like wow I love this. I just took this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna share it with the world. Mm-hmm. And almost straight away, maybe, you realized that a lot of other people loved what you were taking as well. Um, I mean, yes, although, because... Although, although I think there's one thing you told me once, which is that when you first started, your Instagram was private, right? Was it, was it pretty private? Uh, yeah, or it was no, just like you? I was, I, I think, I'm trying to recall, like actually, to be honest, I haven't told anyone this, but <laughs> um, I recall my first memory of Instagram is because... Like I really liked the filter that one of my friends put on it, right? And I'm like, how do I get this filter um, on the pictures that I like (laughs) without like kind of thinking that it was a social media thing? Because that was like what 2011, 2012, 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was very insular. Like I was like, I spent hours in the office. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I I I didn't have any conscience of what social media is. Yeah. Because do, you, do you remember what filter it was? Was it Hefe? It was one of the uh, OG ones. Not not Kelvin for sure. <laughs> Don't like I hate that filter. <laughs> it's a little like the the kind of like leaks, the one with the like leaks, oh. like the kind of reddish. Oh, uh, no, I don't yeah, remember. I, don't, I only I, remember Hefe because I used to take food pictures and it was like, <laughs> oh, now the food looks more tastier somehow after this filter's been added. But I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to try that. Yeah. So I downloaded the app. Yeah. With no intentions of putting it live. I yeah. wanted to just put a filter on it and export the photo. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, I, I like this is a recurring theme with me. Um, it's just how fast we're moving as, as a society, social media, in every essence. But you saying that now sounds insane, but it was literally five years ago, like five, six years ago. Yeah, you know? you're right. You're, like, like, it amazing. sounds like absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to download this app to put a filter on something and leave it. <laughs> exactly. And nobody's <laughs> going to see it, it but yeah. myself. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> insane now. That's not possible. It must be shared now yeah. with someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was, I mean, I think I'm in a very fortunate position to talk about this now. And, yeah. and, and like this is one of the first times I've told you this story, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and then I think it was still Facebook back at the time, yeah. right? Which was the only social media, right? So I was like, uh, okay. So I think it was one time I went to Seoul, yeah, right? And somehow Facebook wasn't working. Oh. And uh, I was like, okay, let's try this Instagram thing. And I was actually trying to put a filter on the photos I could put on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Like Instagram yeah. was just helping you achieve your yeah, Facebook goals. Yeah, it was like a filter. It was like totally aesthetic. <laughs> and Facebook, Facebook doesn't work. So I was like, okay, mm, maybe I'll try this thing. You know, I so I uploaded my first photo. Okay. 
And it's funny because like I start getting random responses from yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. no, I didn't know how to put my my profile on private or something. Oh, okay. And then you know, like there's these randos like commenting on my photo, and I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's the, it was like, the total opposite of Facebook, which yeah. you're sharing it with yeah, your friends. Exactly. And it was yeah, very quickly you realized on Instagram people were searching for like. Randoms. Yeah, 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 and and then that slowly, I brought it back to Hong Kong, and I was like, oh, interesting, and I started uploading, not even like instant instant pictures. Right. Like I started putting architecture stuff. Yeah. Because that's all I knew about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my feed mm-hmm. from my camera roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at a point, I was like putting up my own projects and like yeah. my school projects. I mean, that's all gone now. Oh, damn. I was like too embarrassed to like. <laughs> Could have, yeah, after, you know, all that. Like, I, I I deleted them. But, like, that was what was on my feed. It was just, like, random architecture shots that I took from Beijing when I was doing an internship there. You know, that trip from Seoul. Yeah. You know, projects from OMA that I visited yeah. in Seoul. Yeah. And you were finding people were, like, interested in this. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, you know, like, getting these great, uh, these nice... Comments saying, yeah. nice shot, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. beautiful, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, standard kind yeah, of things now. Things, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, I could share my pictures with other people I don't know. Yeah. And slowly, I, I, I think, you know, because Instagram's good at that, I, I started looking at other people's photos. You right. know, the, the Explore page back then was very organic. Yes. Um, and uh, it would show me, you know, the work of people who are in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And then I, was, I don't know, it was you or Tyson whose work I was coming across. Okay. And I remember it was you that uh. I was, I really liked the graphics <laughs> of like, <laughs> I think I remember I was in uh, India at that time. Yeah. But then I had already started my Instagram. Right. And uh, I think the India trip was really what propelled it for okay. me to say, okay, I'm going to consistently share my photos with someone. Right. Like with this app. Yes. Like the people on this app. And I think in India, uh, like I started to notice your stuff because okay. uh, like I was trying to do stuff with my pictures right. from India. And I'm like, how can I make this better? Right, right. right? And, then, <laughs> um, and at that time, you were really open about how you worked. You know, like there was these like, Weird apps that you use to like pixelate things and like open. fragment things. I and can I'm like, still be open. That's really cool. Like I wanted to create that yeah, and put yeah. text to it. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so there was this app I used called Over for text and it had loads of different fonts and I would write on my photos um, just like really moody things, right? And like one word moody things, like that's my mood. Yeah, get with it, people. And then also, yeah, there was another app I can't, can you remember the name of it? Was I don't it, actually, it like, I'm thinking. It was, I'm like, a, um, it was basically an app that pixelated <laughs> mm-hmm, the photo mm. to some degree. Mm. If you just did like 30% of the photo, it may even not be noticeable, but it created a kind of cool yeah. effect. Yeah, and then you were like, I use Image Blender to blend those in. Yeah, that's right, that's right. It's <laughs> a lot of effort, I remember, guys. Im- yeah, I remember Image Blender because I still use it. Ah. Well, I was using it recently. Okay. But, you know, um, it didn't work out because I wasn't happy with the resolution now. Yes, things have changed. Um, yeah, things have changed. But <laughs> it was Image Blender and then this other app which pixelated your pictures, yeah, right? And yeah. I, I was like, oh, it was like a picture in, in the UK of a sunset. It was a street. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the picture. I and remember then, it's quite a long yeah. caption, right? <laughs> when I talk about all this stuff. Yeah, long yeah and caption. I was like, oh, cool, he's sharing it. Wow. <laughs> and I could do that with one of my India pictures. Like, why would you do that? In India, yeah, where you had like plenty of beautiful, beautiful. Why would you want to pixel it? Is that picture still up? Eventually, I, it's up. It's okay. up. It's still there. Okay, uh, but I didn't do it. You should all because, go and look for that picture. Uh, yeah, like if you scroll down my feed, you'll see some pictures from India. Yeah. That was the time which all this was happening. Right, right. But yeah, I, I left those up because that was, again, it was when I, I decided that, okay, these pictures were to be shared. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I came back to Hong Kong because then I knew about you. Yeah. I started following you. Right. And Tyson and Jethro. Yes. Uh, Jethro Mullen. Yeah. At Jethro Mullen. Mm-hmm. The great <laughs> Jethro Mullen. Yes. A powerful Instagram <laughs> power user. He showed, you all, he showed us all the way. And, and Tiwi, t- like I was like really inspired by these people. So I noticed that you guys had meetups yeah <laughs> yeah and I think it was the Macau one that I picked up on right and I was like oh that's cool maybe I'll join the next one yeah 
And unfortunately, like the next one was a uh, first come first serve. Yes. Uh, so I didn't meet I didn't meet any of you guys. No, no, I because didn't, I don't remember going to that one. Yeah, uh, it was like a, a seafood junk. Yes, it was on a boat. And you um, went to an island somewhere. You went to uh, was it Tatman? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 that one. It was I, I don't remember. Okay. But uh, it was like in a geo park near a geo park oh. somewhere facing oh. I don't know that I don't remember that place okay. anymore but uh, it was the other guy who hosted Insta Meets with Tyson yeah. who did this one and yeah. I didn't know they took turns because like I was like oh I'm gonna meet Tiwis I'm gonna meet Jethro I'm gonna meet Edward <laughs> and I was really excited and I was like oh damn those people didn't make it because oh. they didn't register in time yeah and somehow I managed to register in time yes, because I yeah. was like kind of shows the desperation, right? Like I <laughs> no. was for these things. If I want to just take a step back and say that these meets were also like a way to meet new people at that time, right? Because yeah. it wasn't just photography and it wasn't serious photography. It yeah. was, um, okay, this sounds, again, this is not that long ago, but this is going to sound patronizing, but it wasn't. It was Instagram photography. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. You were not mm -hmm. going to go and do anything serious that, mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And I would say at least, although it was 50% taking photos, it was 50% meeting new people, right? Would you say? That's that? interesting because I didn't know that before I went on my first meet. I really right. didn't know what to expect. Right, 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 um, right. And of course, I had my friend, Sylvie. Yes. Who, who also got, spot because yeah. <laughs> I was like hey Sylvia let's do this yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah she was you know she's great like yeah. she's up for any kind of exploration yeah. with me at the time so we went on the seafood boat and I met uh, met Pete who was the other co-organizer of Insta mm -hmm. Meet uh, oh no no uh, Insta Yay Yeah 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 it's a lame Take that, Tyson. <laughs> but um, yeah, so regardless, I, I met cool people. And yeah. everyone was nice. I met I met Nathan, yeah. Nash Kerr, mm -hmm. and some people who I still keep in touch with, yeah. like Maria May. Yeah. She was there. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I get it mixed up. But, I know. Like it's so, but, it, was, it seemed, <clears throat> seems long ago, but there was such a, we met so many people over such a short period of yeah. time that you can't even remember which who was at which thing. Yeah, because like everyone was a recurring face. Yeah. You know, every time we'll host these things, we'd get like familiar faces and yeah. then, you know, some new ones, yeah. which is great. Yeah. No, and um, so from that, I just want to talk about the, pretty much the reverse happened with you, which was the, um, I think, or maybe he'd met you, maybe he hadn't, I couldn't remember, but uh, I went for lunch with Tyson, um, Tiwi, and he was just like, oh, um, I, we got hit these architecture spots because I'm seeing all these architecture, these cool places, and then he's like, there's these like new photographers taking cool photos in Hong Kong. And like, he showed me three people. And I remember one of them was, it was like V-double, man. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta like meet up with her and take photos <laughs> with her, man. And, I, was, and I, I can tell you, I remember we were at a place called Campers having lunch and he handed me his phone and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> at, at, um, like uh, just, just different architecture in Hong Kong that I'd never seen at all from any, from any particular angle mm. or knew of. And that in itself is really rare today that you mm. could see something in a city that, um, it, I mean, we, we always make this, we always say that, oh, everything's been shot in the city now, but it really hadn't in 2013, not on a grand scale. Mm, um, no, so, so you yeah. were looking at things that are very commonplace now. You were looking at them for the first time. And yeah. I remember seeing at least three or four photos from you that I could barely make sense of. You know, like, is that looking up? Is that looking... Don't you, you like, you're, you're right. thinking now which ones, but I'm talking do, about yeah, literally like ping check and things like that, just, um, or, or Imam. Oh, okay, yeah, You know, yeah, things yeah. like, I, I didn't know what that was. Is it a residential building? Is right, it a right. chimney? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> what am I looking at here? Yeah. Um, and they weren't played with they mm. were just they were just great great shots mm. um taken on a phone so again mm -hmm. shots that you would think to yourself oh if i go there i can take that shot as well yeah so that is my memory my first memory of hearing your name following you mm -hmm. and then not really again we met at one of these meetups many months later yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it wasn't i don't think it was many months okay it's like Maybe a couple months later. I think all this th stuff they, they, is like dog years, right? Yeah, like it yeah, happens yeah, yeah. so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's probably and like a week later. 
Yeah, like a, probably like a week later. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. at that time, Tyson was leaving. Yeah. And he yeah, announced his departure. Yes. So, and then um, we're like, oh God, we have to make this happen. Yeah. We have to meet him. I have to meet him. And that was the first time I met him that yeah, day. Yeah, same time. I met, in, I met you on the same in, day. In Saikong? Yes. Yes. Was that the first time I met you? Yeah, yeah it was. It was. Okay. And then, and then um, yeah, and then a few days later, it was. We went to a place, and this goes back to things being shot on a regular basis now that aren't necessarily weren't necessarily four or five years ago. But we went to a place called Garden Hill. It actually near where we're having, we're recording this now, mm. and um, we watched a sunset, and that was probably the second time we met. But the point of this story is that. We were the only ones up there oh, yeah. on that day, on this day that like the sky turned purple yeah. and it was amazing. And we were just there with our iPhones. God, we took good pictures with our iPhones. Um, um, but the point, we recently revisited Garden Hill mm. and it was packed. Mm. And I would say that that's something we're going to talk about a bit, which is the Instagram effect. Yeah. We can just start talking about that now. Um, okay. So, yeah, sure. so yeah, yeah we, we can talk about, so the places that I saw on your feed in 2013 that I'd never seen before and I did go to all those places and but no it's interesting because like I didn't know about these places either yeah but I saw it on someone's photo and I'm like oh I want my own interpretation of this space right, like I right, want to right, go right. see it with my own eyes yeah and see what I make of it with my camera yes so I think I'm already we're already discussing like, going into this topic because I didn't discover these places yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I discovered your work I yeah. discovered it on somebody else's yeah. feed yeah, yeah 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 so I was like okay where is this place I have to go there and I don't remember uh, if they told me or they had it in their caption and I just figured it out yeah I think it's probably the, the latter yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was still shy I was. Believe it or not, I was so sh- I was still like, oh my God, I can't talk to this person because they're going to judge me or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I did like mostly detective work to find these places. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm still doing that now. Yeah, oh. but people were a lot more open then as well. Like you could, I mean- open, Depends who you talk to, I, guess. I, I, th- I think that, I mean, even in terms of they would tag it you know, yeah. they would, oh, people yeah, would tag yeah. the right, exact right, place right, and right. then they would maybe say something yeah, about it maybe. Yeah. But I feel like everything now is yeah. much more like- and generic. Yeah, I understand. But this this just it touches on the topic that we're about to 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 go to because some places just can't have that amount of traffic. Yeah. And or else, you know, nobody's gonna take photos of it. Right. right. And I think I think that's that's not it's it's not being selfish, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of people aren't open about it right. now because it might, you know, prevent future people. Like yeah, future access yeah, yeah, to yeah. to that spot, mm-hmm. and I think that that is just an indication of the power of this social media. Yes, I mean, just not even touching on the surface. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and I think we have, um, for better or worse, been a huge part of that. And um, I mean, but like my, where where I want to go with this is, do you feel that? How long did it take you to feel like you've developed a style as opposed to looking at other people's work and wanting to go there? Mm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, Do no, you, it does. It yeah. just, it's just hard to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I can imagine. It's a, it's a big no, I'm like actually looking at my feed right now. But yeah. like, I, I think, yeah, definitely I was inspired by the people I follow. Mm-hmm. But being a designer myself, I wasn't going to replicate things. Yes, exactly. You know, That's what I was uh, thinking. I was yeah. thinking you already had a, a, an anchor point of design right. yeah. and architecture yeah. to start from. And it almost, I would say, um, did you ever have architect in your like um, profile? I did. I feel I like I knew you were an architect before I met yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I put it in my profile at some point. And it literally, for me, le- legitimized your architecture fo- photos over someone else's. Oh, Do you know? God, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're just like, wow, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, she said architect. And then these are architecture photos. Right, okay, let's get on this. Let's find some of these places. No, that's what I thought too. Because yeah. I was like, when people ask me, um, oh, you take really nice photos. Um and then I would just explain because I'm an architect yeah. and, you know, we're trained this way. And then yeah. until recently, I was told in the face that, you know, like not arch- all architects take photos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if some try and they can. Right. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Because, yeah. you know, I had always thought that architecture instilled it in me. Yeah. And I would tell people that 
you know, it was because of my training that I took photos like that. Right. Because I was drawn to geometry, I was drawn to symmetry and um, uh, like I would say a very technical way of looking at things. Yeah. And that was how I only looked at things because that's how I only knew how to look at things yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but create that symmetry and yeah. I couldn't help but create, you know, strong lines Mm-hmm. Or leading lines, or whatever you yeah. call it. I didn't know back then, but it was all subconscious. Yes. It was, it was not. I, w- I didn't think about it. I was like, this, this is the way I'll, I do it, and yeah. I'll do it because you know that kind of OCD mm-hmm. about lookups yeah. and, and yeah. things that Perfectly were not, straight. yeah, not centered. Yeah, like nobody taught me that. Like, no, it was in me to to do that. And I think if 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 people are curious, that's how I developed the right. style. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People listen to that, people. That is like how you develop a style. I, but but yeah. what you're saying is at that time, you thought that any architect should be able to take photos like that because of how right. you're trained. Because I had no mm-hmm. reference at the time. It was all so new to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I don't think I met any other architect. Right. Like, like prop, like architect, architect mm-hmm. that, that used Instagram in the same way. Yeah. Um, not that I knew of. Right. My friends were just taking food photos. Even yeah. though they were architects, they didn't use it to express themselves architecturally. Yeah, yeah. I think we were part of a wave of... Um, I mean, it had obviously been done before with DeviantArt and, Art and Flickr and a few other platforms, but I think we were at the start of a wave of people expressing themselves in a, in a mass way, in a design-led way, mm. as opposed mm. to um, a food photo, sharing their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, if I look at that time now, not just architects, but designers, the grid style of Instagram lent itself to taking a certain style of photo that was very, that could create a very aesthetically pleasing look yep. for someone who wasn't trained um, in any sort of design, who could just mm-hmm. look at something and be like, that is beautiful and I want mm-hmm. to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case mm. or if that era or movement has passed. But mm. yeah, that's kind of how I feel about that time we were there when... Mm-hmm showing people pretty patterns mm. was a viable way of mm. um, having people like invest in your the time yeah. in you. And I think, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a combination between um, my character as well because I'm not, I'm very introverted at the time. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about how this whole experience changed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to but, talk about that now? Do I it, mean, it. Yeah. yeah, like it was, I was That's introverted really because I didn't want to share my life with people and right. I only wanted to share... Uh, my photos, mm-hmm. which is not my life, yeah. and and I was like, how do I make this look nice? Yeah. And it was it was all very natural to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so wait, you're gonna talk about how it changed you? <laughs> oh yeah. How, how it you? <laughs> so like the thing is like I went to my first meetup and I met uh, uh, you, yeah. Tyson, mm-hmm. as well as you know a lot lot of people from the community in yeah, Hong Kong. Yeah, you would have met like um, that day, if you met everybody at Sai Kung, you would have Jess, met Jess, yeah. and you met Varun, yeah, you yeah, met yeah, Candy, yeah. and Kevin Wong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, as obviously Jeffro and Tyson yeah. and Wendy Tang and right. um, I just countless people that Toya. Formed, that Toya and Chris, maybe. I wasn't Mama, sure maybe Chris, Chris was, was there. there. Yeah. But the point is, um, these meetups brought together so many people who are just, I'm not, I, I loathe to say household names, but they're mm-hmm. people that if you were to talk about the photography community in Hong Kong over the last five years, these are the names that all came up and we all met on a certain day. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. It's still <laughs> crazy. It's pretty insane. It's pretty insane. Think I, about I, it. I literally remember meeting Kevin Wong like towards the end of the day yeah. and realizing, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and sorry. But, so you No, were, you and were, literally like that day, like it changed, like things changed for me yeah, cool. because cool. I was like, uh, uh, like these are strangers, but yeah. yet I don't know why I feel like I know them. Right. Because I've been following them. Yeah. And I know their lives and yeah. I know their style. I know who they were, what they did. Yeah. Because they would put it in the caption, like you said, like people were a lot open yeah. about themselves mm-hmm. before. And it was almost kind of magical for me yeah. because yeah. I knew, like I didn't meet these pers- people and I knew them. Yes. And I think that was the power of Instagram from that day on, yeah, 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 um, it right. gave me the courage to meet people. Agree, yeah. And uh, be a lot more open about myself as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I'm still I'm still working on that, yeah. believe it or not. Like, it's changed me and, you know, fundamentally, I'm a very introverted person. Yeah. 
but here I am, I'm talking to you now. Yay. And I never thought, you know, this would have happened. All this would have happened. Right. Uh, just before that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even, it sounds dramatic, but no, it's true. No, no, no. It's, it's, that's the kind of drama I want put on it. Like, it's, it's that. It's that crazy. My story, as you know, is very similar. Mm-hmm. It involved moving to a new country and not being, not so introverted, but just being somebody who has their friends mm-hmm. and doesn't need new friends because I have my friends. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of mentality yeah. that I had. Yeah. Moving to a new city threw me into a situation where I yeah. did need to make friends. For you, it's even not- more interesting because you came from somewhere else. Yeah. Through this app. Right, right. It is and it isn't because it depends who you talk to. And not not who you talk to. It depends which way you look at it because people move to Hong Kong all the time, Mm -hmm. right? So that's not... That's not particularly interesting in itself, mm-hmm. right? So, like, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you're, I'm just one of the thousands, the tens of thousands mm-hmm. that moved to pe- moved to Hong Kong mm-hmm. in that year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not interesting. And then thousands of people also use social media to to um, talk to people overseas or to to show off the, their life or mm-hmm. the life that they're living overseas. So that in itself isn't interesting. You can see I've thought about this. <laughs> so, that, so that in itself isn't that interesting. So that's yeah. happening a lot. It was almost some combination of the two. Mm. Um, and, and the best way I can put it is, I mean, you've kind of put it there yourself, is that this particular pastime meant that you got to know people away from that meetup as well, right? Mm. So you actually carried this friendship or meetup thing just mm. carried on before and after the actual meetup. And you continue to know more about these people's mm. lives. And yeah. so whenever you did meet up, you felt closer to them than yeah. if it was just like, if I'd just met you at dragon boating, yeah. right? And then yeah. we dragon boated every month together, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd see you once a month. Right. We'd catch up for an hour yeah. and that would be it. But yeah. at that time, this photo thing was like a twice daily, there was a time- It was like, like an update of oh, someone's yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two or three updates. Yeah. Way more regular than Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And and it's that that drew people together and made relationships closer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. faster. For sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it was like you, sure. knew, you, you knew these people before you met them. Yeah, and yeah. I think that it continued, I don't know until like what point, I think we did Instameet HK. Yes, yes. That was like the epitome of this whole kind of meeting up people from different circles. Yeah. Like more than, way more than um, what I would have had if I stayed in the social circle of architecture. Right, right, right. You know yes, what, there so, were architects. So but. They were there, but um, so Instameet HK was um, just a, we took on this, meetups thing and, and turned um, Instagram. I mean, we just carried on the tradition laid down by some other people that were here first. Mm-hmm. And we just made, did meetups, did photo meetups throughout Hong Kong. And the number, as, as the app was growing, the number of people getting involved was just huge. So that mm-hmm. was like me, Vivian, Nathan and Jess at that time. Um, and later Elaine Lee. But yeah, the numbers, I mean, we didn't plan for it at all, but we started to very quickly have 60, 70, 80 people mm-hmm. following us around any particular neighborhood in Hong Kong. And sorry to interrupt, but yeah, we mm-hmm. go on. No, so I think I think that fast forward like a year mm-hmm. after, I don't know, like my first, it was only a year. I think it was only a year after we met. Yeah. And there was Instameet HK. It was less than a year. Because okay, I remember this conversation you yeah, told me, and yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. "What, really?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you if you want to give it exact, let's say like we let's say we did an insta and we met in maybe we, it was the summer, so it was like June, July mm-hmm. of 2013, mm-hmm. and then we did the first um, insta meet. 2014. That's no, crazy. no, 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 no. It was 2013. It was 2013. It was wow. like it was like two or I three months later. Believe. But it, it required <laughs> it required so little planning in terms yeah. of like just ask people to show up because we right. had these followings. Right, right. And they did. And that was the um, start of something, a movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that time, it was also during my transition from OMA to KPF. Right, right, right. right. And I think eventually, the groups started getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the places that we could go with such a big group were getting limited. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I don't know where I'm getting at this, but I think that kind of was a consideration yeah. um, that I had to think about on top of my work. Because yes. then I had started working at KPF and construction administration wasn't as easy as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And it, it, work kind of took up a lot of my time. I, I don't know how many months after mm-hmm. the Insta, uh, Hong Kong Insta meet, 
uh, speed HK thing was a slavish, but eventually I found myself a little bit too busy. Yeah. To uh, host slash, but first of all, like I'm not big on public appearance. Yeah, like, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Like I like I already said, I'm I'm a little, a little bit shy, and yeah. I have this fear of public speaking. Actually, mm-hmm. so like in, if it, if, if you want me to organize something that I like. The responsibility to take a group of hundred people, which yeah. I did for one of them yeah, to Taiwan, yeah. I think um, that was getting a little bit too stressful at the time for me yeah. to handle. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I just wanted to take a bit of a load off right. um, from my work at the time. So I think that's when I handed it over to Elaine and Jess, yeah. as well as you, like yeah. yourself. Yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah. going through the same thing. Yeah, something very similar. And I was also finding that the. I mean, as a result of any pursuit that's supposed to be a hobby, the minute it started to feel like work um, or additional work, then it it kind of went away. But I would segue that into, so we're talking about that work thing. Did photography itself ever start to feel like work for you? Not photography, but the sharing of photography on social media Mm -hmm. to other people. Did it ever start to feel like, or has it, this is an ongoing question to the present, has it ever felt like work to you. Oh yeah, it has. Yeah. For sure. Because it is now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To a certain degree. Yeah. Although I won't let it take over mm-hmm. my architectural work. But when you said ongoing, it's com- it's really true because I'm trying to find a balance now. Now that I'm up to my own means to pursue whatever I want, yeah. it becomes a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this this relatively new passion photography, yeah. like will it will I let it take over um, what I was initially going to pursue. Yes. And I can't, when I started my company studio unit, I wasn't ready to let go of architecture. Yes. Nor photography, but I knew that photography wasn't going to take over mm-hmm. architecture because I still had the dream yeah. of chasing, you know, my vision in architectural design. Yes. Basically what I invested my, <laughs> my basic, education. Like, education in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wasn't ready to let go of that and still not. Yeah. Uh, so right now, uh, when you ask me, does photography feel like work? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Only to a degree, I let it. Right. Okay. Um, because we talked about this, but when I was at KPF, I had a stable salary. Yeah. And I could easily say to someone, I don't need this. Yeah. Right. And please understand that I'm doing this for fun. And right. if it's not fun. Right. And if it, if it takes... Uh, you know, a significant amount of effort and time mm-hmm. off my uh, full-time job. Yeah, I'm not going to do it because it's not worth it, and, and that's not why I'm doing this for. But now it's it's changing because of this balance that I'm trying to seek out. Yeah. Right? Uh, do I want it as a job? And I'm already having some jobs, like obviously, yeah, <laughs> like before. Yeah. But am I? You how do, far you, am you, I going to yeah, put so up with getting, things? Um, you're going, what you're make, you're saying is there's like there's a commercial work aspect to. To it that you're currently, oh, how can I put it, like taking orders from some mm-hmm. people. So we're already making small compromises of like, taking on photography. Yeah, work, right? I think the compromises is just time. Okay. Right, like mostly. Yeah. Before, if it compromised a good part of my time, I would say no. Yeah. But now I have the flexibility to make certain things I want happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's almost like me figuring myself out and how much time I want to devote to this. Yeah. And if it's all worth it. And it's still, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. But going back to your question, yes, it's become part well, of my work. Part of the question I was asking was less about the commercial side of things mm-hmm. and more that do you, um, do you ever feel like you have to service social media now that you have a following of what? Is it 230,000 followers on, almost, on Instagram? Almost. Yes. I think I'm like 200 short. Yes. It's <laughs> 229K and So I would say like by the time people listen to this, you may have 230,000 followers yeah. unless they all fall away. Oh. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> Probably more than 230,000 by the time this thing out, comes out. But do you ever feel the need to service them with content at some point? Like you may not want to post or you may not be in the right mind to go and shoot, but you're like, wow, I have all these followers waiting for some mm-hmm. some, some new bangers mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. me. Not So not a commercial job, just like the people that chose to follow you. Do you ever feel like you have to give them something? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How, how I won't deny that, that but... Yeah, um, yeah. I'm also uh, like trying to figure out. I I I don't know if I should be saying this, but I I'm like 
I'm trying to figure out what people want to see, and I don't, yeah. I don't, I know that shouldn't drive me. No, no, no. But, but I'm thinking it's about a, it. <laughs> this, is a, this is a brand new consideration, man. Like, I mean, like, I'm not going to get all high and mighty and say that we are artists, but mm-hmm. I would say that in any artistic pursuit, I, I don't think in history the feedback has been that instant mm-hmm. on the work that you um, create. Yeah, and you you barely have time to take in that feedback before you need to deliver more work. Mm-hmm. And I said I, I don't know if I just used the word need. I can't remember, but it, mm. it, it sometimes does feel like that. Yeah. Um, so we're I'm dealing we're dealing with like whole new problems that if I just put to if I put to a photographer from twenty years ago, they wouldn't know until the exhibition hit, and maybe even after the exhibition, mm-hmm. whether the public thought it was nice Mm -hmm. but we get this feedback like every day or every time we put a picture up and yeah it's very easy in accepted wisdom to say well you shouldn't care about what other people think just do your own thing but Mm -hmm. I think a conservative estimate probably every 15 minutes to half an hour of your day Mm -hmm. you get an opinion Mm -hmm. through some way or another Mm -hmm. of your work Mm -hmm. that you put effort into Mm -hmm. right so so how could you not take into account what those people think yeah and you yeah there's no denying that that has an influence on what I shoot or how I shoot or Mm -hmm. you know what I post yeah especially what I post because I don't post a lot of the things I shoot yes and what drives that decision Mm -hmm. is partially what I think people want to see right right right. I mean there's no denying like I don't I don't like I kind of hate to say that actually because a part of me struggles like what what I want to do and what I think people want to see. So I'm trying to, like, I remember one of my Instagram stories asking now that, that they have polls, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to see more portraits or do you want to see more cityscapes? Yes. People still want to see, like, the majority of people want to see cityscapes How because... How did that poll come out? I think only a quarter of people wanted to see portraits. Yeah, that's a... That's a... But that's actually more than I expected. Oh, okay, okay. Because the engagement I have on portraits, unfortunately, doesn't reflect a, that quarter. Yeah. Well, I mean... It's, it's, a, it's a real eye-opener because, yeah, um, yeah I, did, I did something similar. And um, I, did, I did a poll and I can't remember the exact question. I think I was just asked, yeah, it's because it's yes or no, right? It was, um, do people want to see more portraits mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. And I was actually quite shocked at the number of people that said no. People I know <laughs> yeah, that yeah. said no. Because yeah. I think that, and it was really, I'll never get that feedback again. It was really good because on that day, I don't think people realized that I would see their individual vote yeah yeah on that day on, yeah. like, everybody knows now so i got some very like eye-opening responses from people i know who just said no they don't want to see more right. portraits from me so i mean you start to wonder whether that affects you or what do you like shooting that so much that you won't let um, it affect you i could tell you that i mean thank you for people who gave their opinion yeah but um no I think what I took more of that from that poll was, okay, there's people who like my cityscapes. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And I, I, I really, really appreciate that. And I cherish that yeah. because, you know, that's what you signed up for. This is why you followed yeah, V-Double, exactly. right? Exactly. If you followed and V-Double in 2013, yeah, yeah you signed up ex- for some cool architecture and cityscapes. Right. Yeah. So I can't deny that. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for still believing in my original, you know, what I started with. But I'm also constantly looking for something to develop and grow mm-hmm. and, and try. Mm-hmm. So going back to what I was trying to say is like, I didn't take anything too personal from the kind of imbalance of expectations, yeah. if you will. What I took was like, I think what impacted me and not take, but was the feedback that said, do both. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what can I do that's both? Yeah. So I think going back to the point where like, I only know how to shoot architecture and architecture is like my thing. Mm-hmm. That could be something really special and particular to my style. Yeah. Because, you know, now after maybe what, almost a year or two of shooting portraits. Right. Like people are, are, are beginning to define um, my portrait style. Right. For example, like I did an interview and in, 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 in the uh, Steve Rowe, who's Frames Co. Yeah. Um, he, he was like, I'm absolutely amazed by your portraits because you combine cityscape and architecture with it so well. And mm-hmm. you shoot your models in these incredible spaces mm-hmm. that are very architectural and geometrical. And I think that's slowly beginning to define a new style, yeah. uh, which I really like. Good, um, good, good, good. But 
I'm not limiting myself to that. Right. And I think what I'm trying to say is the outcome. I it's interesting because when people say both portraits and cityscape, it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. Like, it can be both. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, my 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 like anecdotal evidence is that there are people that I mean, if they say cityscapes, mm-hmm. they, they mean, they, they they mean, mean not put a person yeah. in their cityscape. <laughs> So, so that's just like my anecdotal thing. But it's about, I mean, for me, I have a feeling that you can, whether it's through a renewal of followers or whether it's through, I don't know what, what how to get the point across, but you can get people to like whatever it is you like. Mm-hmm. Like if you're passionate and good enough at it, you may find new people to mm-hmm. come along. Mm-hmm. They may not come along fast enough, but then, yeah, like you know, that's the, a different discourse because yeah, they, then like, how are you going to build up the momentum again? Like given now, it might not be as organic anymore. Yes, yes. So it's about how you find that. But yeah. I mean, I think that's, if there was a holy grail for Instagram, it's obviously like shooting what you like, when you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the holy grail could actually be like posting when you like as well and then everybody loving that on board Mm -hmm. what I find is that me and you we're both we're actually quite diverse in our photography Mm -hmm. and although it's it keeps me sane and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you love that as well you're not sticking to one thing actually that could that's a hindrance in terms of the followings that we have and that's why we get these poll responses that are quite diverse because people that followed us for very different reasons Mm -hmm. and even in the short time you've been shooting portraits mm-hmm. probably the people that like your portraits there are probably you probably have followers that like your portraits exclusively like hopefully you, yeah right <laughs> well, but what I mean, I'm saying is yeah. they hopefully somebody likes them def- there are there are 100% <laughs> agree that there are but um, I think that there will be the silent minority mm-hmm. of people who won't like your cityscape you won't see them because you know the majority likes a cityscape yeah but that it's it works both ways so you we've kind of like maybe got some siloed fan bases mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's good talk but there's something else I wanted to talk about it's in mm-hmm. the back of my head because we had this conversation once and this is where I want to come back to talk about Rem Cool House mm. which is I mean I can segue in from this thing we talked about about design and social media and I wanted to talk about creativity okay so I want to talk to you about whether people are taking their influences from social media particularly Instagram mm-hmm. and how you see that changing design today and I'm, mm. I mean interior design mm-hmm. I mean architecture of buildings mm. architecture of buildings is probably the biggest one because that's like a something you need so much more funding and investment to mm-hmm. be able to look at a picture and say I want it like that but in, <laughs> on a on a small scale you've got interior design you've got fashion like mm-hmm. streetwear yeah. and things like that how do you see that going especially in the year that you've had your own company mm-hmm. have you seen trends that have come from social media on a global level, maybe? Yeah, I think the way that I was influenced to go to a building and shoot it, the kind of lure to portray it in the same way as the original person that I saw it. A lot of people, I think, I'm definitely tempted to succumb to that. Mm. In terms of when I design, I take inspiration from other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I use Pinterest a lot. And a lot of the times it's a dangerous thing because it's almost very interbred, these ideas. And yes. if if you're not careful, you replicate them. And I think what I'm trying to say is, like, eventually, I think my answer to that, long story short, mm-hmm. because I think about this all the time and I get asked that all the time. Yeah. Um, like, how do you, no, no, how do you like be unique yeah. in this environment yeah. where you know things proliferate at an incredible so rate? Yeah. How do you be uh, forward thinking? How do you be cutting edge? Mm-hmm. How do you be innovative? I think my answer to that would just be personal style. Right. Like yes. there's nothing, there's nothing more unique than your character, like you. And um, I'm trying to also seek that out mm-hmm. like who am I like yeah. what is my work like because working in a corporate environment in, in, in a big office sometimes it's hard for that to shine through it, it could be small but I want it to define me now yeah. and this is why I have my own studio yeah. and this is a journey that I've decided to take Yeah. and I think this can withstand time personal style can withstand any kind of external influence that you are tempted to replicate. And I think a lot of it is being true to yourself. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Knowing what you want. We talked about posting for your followers. Yeah. Um, you know, I see this image mm-hmm. from one person I follow and it does incredibly well, it blew up, banger. Yeah. Should I go and copy it yeah. for that exposure? Mm-hmm. Like, or do I stay true to myself and do what I believe in? That is a constant struggle I'm yeah. going through. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find out for from, myself. From a um from a design point of view, I won't have the exact quote, but I think it's Rem Coolhouse that highlighted it started with airports you said airports and hotel lobbies mm. that started to look very similar mm-hmm, wherever mm-hmm. you go in the world yeah and um we had this conversation a few months ago about um coffee shops mm. so um coffee shops wherever you go we went to helsinki yeah um i i then in earlier this summer went to taipei i've since been to a few places other places in europe and asia essentially and anyone listening to this can probably say the same. Essentially, coffee shops are starting to look exactly the same around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having like exposed light bulbs and wooden tables mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, quirky kitsch mugs mm-hmm. and um, menus on clipboards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I bet by the time by the time this comes out, everything's changed. But but that's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm seeing everywhere. And um, I think this has come about. I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks this has come about through a maybe globalization and b the um, social media kind of being able. I'm not saying it's a bad style, mm-hmm. but as a result of this, are we missing out on some? local creativity mm. that may never see the light of day now yeah. because they've been globalized. Yeah, no, that's a very, very, very important question. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, even, uh, so what did I say, coffee shops, but yeah. do you, what do you think about like, well, people's reason, houses? Yeah, the, like the, the reason why Rem was saying that like airports are, this, because he calls them as non-places. Non-places, that's the right. Because yeah. they're so homogenous mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what country you're in they're the same yeah and I think the world is slowly becoming like that because of this proliferation of an idea of an image of what a coffee shop should look like yeah and people are starting to ignore their culture yeah and I think well no I think Helsinki is a special case mm-hmm. because um, it's a good case yeah because now you know a lot of my clients are saying I want Scandinavian design mm-hmm. and this is because there's a place that stay true to their, to their culture yeah. and that define themselves as who they are and now people want it. Mm-hmm. It's a style now. And I think going back to that, you know, staying true to yourself and who you are and yeah. what your background is and what your culture is is very important because only then you're able to define something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, totally So agree. like Helsinki was great because it's almost one of the original places for Scandinavian design, yeah. like a, a powerhouse for what is defined as Scandinavian. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of eye-opening because in Helsinki, we thought, oh, people really, really cherished their local talent. Yes. People really respected their artists. So what you're saying is, if you stay true to your culture, maybe you are the one that expands your design throughout the world. And And you're not the one that's replicating. Yeah. You know, if you, I think everyone is unique. And therefore, if you're telling me that I don't, I'm not interesting. Yeah. That's because you haven't looked into yourself hard enough. Yeah. 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 And I think every place, every person has the ability to um, make their individuality shine if you embrace it and if you respected yourself more. And I think Hong Kong, in a way, I see the beauty in my city. Uh, I think people still, they're getting there, but people still have to recognize that beauty would not stay if they don't cherish it or if they don't preserve it or if they don't respect it enough. It's ironic because people from coming from the outside see it Mm -hmm. and people who lived in this environment or grew up in this environment might not see it. I I can't speak for them because I consider myself lucky because I grew up in a different country and coming back and seeing, wow, Hong Kong is very different. Right. Different in what way? In that time? Like when I was younger, I couldn't answer it, but you know, like for me, it was like, it was sensory. It was like the smells, the, yeah. the, the feeling, the humidity, mm-hmm. the air. Yeah. Um, going home to my parents' place, like what that place felt like, or, or if it was winter, the kind of chill mm-hmm. that I felt was, is very unique to Hong Kong. Right. Like I've lived in London, I've lived in Italy, I've lived in, of course, the United States, mm-hmm. Canada. Yeah. I mean, none of Italy, I mean, it's similar because 
I think a lot has to do with weather and, and, right. and like the central heating and stuff yeah. and, and the, the kind of hard concrete surfaces that you find in buildings. Yeah. That is similar because I was always lived in Rome in, in the winter and had a similar kind of indoor chill yeah, 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 to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Hong Kong. But no, like what I'm trying to say is every place has its character and mm. it's not, I can't even put it in words, like that kind of emotional uh, sensory feeling yeah. that I always um, now try to put in my photos. Going forward in your design projects as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Cross Cafe, which I, I recently completed mm-hmm. as studio unit, my first project tries to bring back that collective memory yeah. of old Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But not, I mean, I'm not just replicating yes. old Hong Kong. I'm putting me in it. I'm putting yeah. my style in and it. And all the sensory stuff. And it's good because like, you know, I get feedback and like, oh, this is very you and I'm like I'm happy to hear that because I don't know what made it me because <laughs> I, I I all I knew was you know I want to put my efforts and, yeah. and my vision in it mm-hmm. and to realize something that I think should be <laughs> the yeah, way yeah. like Hong Kong should you know sell its culture yeah. not sell but like Export. really really like um, promote or make people realize that we respect our own culture and it's it's a beautiful thing and people are coming for this. Like people are visiting Hong Kong for this. Yeah. This beautiful, you know, what could be like the neons, yeah. Chinese characters mm-hmm. on the neon signs, mm-hmm. the kind of tenement building, yeah. uh, iron frame windows, yeah, yeah, yeah. back alley gates yeah. with like spray painted numbers mm-hmm. on. That's all very, very indigenous to the city. Yeah. And I think it's a shame to lose that because, you know, of development mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, commercial interest uh, and the kind of textures and, and, the, and the grain of the city uh, is gone with that. And I wanted to bring that back with this little project. Yeah. And I like think it's all these things. I, I honestly think you succeeded with that. <laughs> and I didn't replicate it going back to that because I didn't think replication was the way to go because everyone moves forward. Mm-hmm. So my thesis was what is next? Yeah. What is the Hong Kong aesthetic in yeah. the future? Mm-hmm. It's to preserve. Tell us. Tell you know, us. like all. I mean, for me, it's like to preserve what was iconic about it. Yeah. Not to put it in a kitschy way, right. but kind of re reinvent it in a modern context. Or I mean, going to the small scale, the street that it's in. How do I make it fit into the culture of the scale of the street? Yeah. yeah. So yes. it's in Sai Poon. Mm-hmm. It's a very gentrified area. Uh, it's a kind of confluence of the West yeah. and the local culture mm-hmm. which is fundamentally what Hong Kong is yeah. and it's perfect because I was like okay this is a perfect what like testing ground yeah. for what I think you know my vision should be mm-hmm. like because I'm always interested in contrasts yeah. I'm always interested in like a chemistry between two things very different things yeah. and I think something interesting would come out of that and hopefully that will, that's what Cross Cafe is and, and it's only like the beginning I'm I'm trying to strive to get projects where I could continue this thesis. Yeah, and insert and, some of your yeah, self and your to, vision to, into it. To really kind of promote Hong Kong culture and make people see the beauty of our past and what I grew up in and, you know, all the tastes and smells and, and sensory experiences yeah. of the city that is associated with these memories. And I think uh, that's what makes Hong Kong what it is. And I think that's going to, that it would be the thing that would withstand all these threats, if you call it, like of non-places, of a kind of brainwashing power that social media has for the good or the better. Yes. Right. I, I I think that's <laughs> that's my theory for that's now. Good, that is that is a solid, <laughs> solid theory. I like it. Remember that. I think we're gonna wrap it up there. And I just wanna say thanks for coming on the podcast and good luck with Studio Unit, which is one year old this week. Yes, thank yeah. you. And um, <laughs> and we just want to see more photos. Whatever you decide we wanna see, we probably wanna see them. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you guys. See you, everyone. Tune in, and if you have any comments or feedback, please message me on Instagram. And if you like this podcast, we ask you to do one thing and one thing only. Please share it with a friend or wherever you can. Let's get into it.